Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 23. We are at the beginning of a new year. And so, as is my responsibility and duty, I want to give you some encouragement as we start this new year. And I believe we can find words of encouragement from the Old Testament. Matter of fact, the very end of the book of Joshua here, the synopsis or the scenario that we find here is Joshua, you probably well aware of, he was the replacement for Moses. Moses brought the people out of Egypt, came out of Egypt, and God had promised them a land. Through the process, Moses got frustrated. You ever get frustrated with your kids? Don't raise your hands at once. But that frustration spilt over a little bit for Moses, and he disobeyed a command of God. And because of that disobedience, Moses would not be given the privilege of entering into that new promised land. And as a replacement, Joshua was given the task of leading the people of Israel through the wilderness and into the promised land. Well, we find here in chapter 23, Joshua is coming to the end of his days. He's getting older, and he sees that it's time for new leadership. He has seen both the the negative and the blessings that have been placed upon the nation. And so he wants to leave them with some words of wisdom. Words that he himself had been given from God directly. And I think these are words for us today. As we find ourselves beginning a new year, as we look forward, I hope that we can find these words of advice that... Joshua is giving. The first thing we see in this wording is that Joshua, the first advice is to be courageous in obeying the word of God. Be courageous. Hit that button one more time. There we go. Oh, it disappeared. It works. Be courageous. We find that in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7. Joshua says, be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you do not turn from it to the right or left and so that you do not associate with the nations remaining among you. 
Do not call the names of their gods or make an oath to them. Do not worship them or bow down to them. The words here, part of the words that Joshua is using are the words that God himself gave to him. If we turn back to the very first chapter of Joshua, we will see that these words are a reflection of, again of what God himself had given to Joshua. And we see that beginning in verse 6 where the word of the Lord came to Joshua and says, Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper in whatever you do. So the last words that Joshua is leaving for the nation of Israel in his departure as leader are the same words that God himself gave to Joshua upon his taking of the mantle of leading the nation. One of the things that we must understand as we seek to be courageous in obeying the word of God is that sometimes it takes courage to obey God's word. In this time and age when being a Christian and espousing the truths from God's word, when it is spoken out in public can receive or can have a, quite the backlash to it. And so it takes courage for us to obey it today. But the problem is sometimes we don't understand what it is to obey. So for us to really obey and have that courage, we have to know it. In order for us to know it, then we must read it. The verse that David wrote in Psalm 119, verse 11, we probably know that by heart. It says, your word have I hid in my heart so that I may not sin against thee. Now I want to remind you that the heart that David is speaking of is not an emotional aspect. Matter of fact, the heart was known in biblical times as being the center of an individual. It was the intellectual center of a person. So David is saying, my intellect, I will hide your word in my mind, in my intellect. I will make it be a part of who I am so that it forms a foundation in my life so that when those difficulties come, when sin tries to come and to lull me away from God, I will be standing strong. David understood the importance of knowing God's word. Not only must we obey it, not only must we know it, but we have to meditate on it. Again, David in Psalm 1 verse 2 says his delight is in God. And when that delight is there, it says he meditates on his precepts. Now, this idea of meditation, I heard this from a long time ago, and I don't think I got it wrong. But Gary, if I'm wrong, correct me here. But I'm thinking of a cow. One of the things that cows love to do is they eat, they eat. Then you'll see them somewhere. They're sitting down under a shade tree, most likely, 
And then you're still seeing them, they're chewing, they're chewing. Well, what are the, they're not, they just, they're not at grass, they're not eating. No, what they've done is they've grazed and they've stored up that food. I understand, was it, is a cud? Is that what they call that? And so now they're sitting down under the, the comfort and ease of the shade, the coolness there. Now they're bringing that cud back up. Don't want to be grotesque, but it's not like regurgitating or barfing. But there's a purpose there. Now they are bringing up what they had just got through grazing on all of that, that grass and whatever that, that they're using for food. And now in the relaxation, they're chewing on it. They're truly now getting all of the nourishments out of what it was that they had fed on and they had stored away. And that is what we do when we meditate on God's word. We read it, we store it in our minds. And sometimes we read it and, and we, we go away for a time and then we sit down and all of a sudden we rethink that which we have heard. We, those verses that as, as kids we grow up and we memorize those verses. Sometimes we don't realize what those mean. But as we go through life and we sit down and we truly meditate on it. We, we pick it apart. We, we literally go through and see what is it that that verse has for me. What are the nutrients there for me? And so we meditate on it. We do that day and night. That is how we come to have the ability to be courageous in obeying God's word. Another aspect is we don't get sad, sidetracked. We stay on course. I've never done this, Gary. I don't know if you've ever plowed a field with a, with a cow or a horse. No. I hear, though, if you're not careful and, and you're, you're, you're plowing with one of those big oxen, you might want to keep your eyes forward. Probably the same way with a tractor. If you're, not, if, if you're looking to the side all the time and you're not going straight, it kind of makes the row look a little wacky. It's not very good. The aspect of staying on course, Proverbs chapter 4, talks about keeping your eyes forward. In verses 25 through 27, he says, Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Reminds me of Peter. Remember the time Peter and some of his other disciple guys, they were in the boat. It was a little choppy on the sea. And all of a sudden, Peter sees somebody walking on the water. And he says, Jesus, is that you? She said, yeah, come on in. The water's fine. Peter gets out and he begins to walk in the water. He's like, great, everything looks good. And all of a sudden, he looks to the left. And he looks to the right. He sees the tempest and the storms and become sidetracked. And through that aspect of sidetracked, he began to sink. But God, Jesus was there to lift him up. That is an important part of what we do in order to be courageous and obedient to the word of God is we must know it, we must read it, we must meditate on it, and we must maintain our focus to stay on course. Because I can guarantee you there will be plenty of things on the sides to take our attentions away. Perhaps your New Year's commitments. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've made a, a New Year's resolution. 
That's kind of one of the fad at the beginning of the new year. We make these resolutions to be better, to do better. Perhaps this new year, maybe there should be a commitment to be further grounded in a greater obedience to God's word. So for Joshua, his advice was be courageous in obeying the word. The next thing that he brings, the next advice is to follow God closely. Follow him closely. We see this in verse 8 of Joshua 23. He says, instead, remain faithful to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. I love how he gives a reaffirmation of their faithfulness, given their history that Joshua had all known well too often of how finicky the people were. He says, you have been faithful so long. Remain faithful. The word in some of the translations here is the word cleave. Cleave unto him. That cleave is to literally hang on to, cling on. We are to cling on to him so that we are so close. We are part of that following is to trust him. Psalm, the writer of Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. We must trust him. How do we cling so close to him? We've already mentioned a little bit, we need to listen to him. And part of that listening involves reading his word. If we go back, if we go back, if we go forward to the book of Revelations, we will see that that God has closed the writings. He says, there's nothing else left to be said. It's all recorded here for you. So we must read his word, talk to him. Do this through our daily time of prayer. It is a conversation. It's not, it's not like trying to rewrite the old English book, the thou's, thou shouts, and these. And sometimes I get so tongue twisted. But it is about talking to him in your language. And you know, there's a point in time in life when you can become so frustrated that the emotions are so high that you can't talk. Maybe you're crying so much, the tears are flowing and you can't speak. But you know what? Those utterances that you give, he understands. So we must talk to him. Another important part of clinging and following him closely is to walk clean in our lives by confessing our sin. I think the church has missed out greatly here. John 1 chapter, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confessing our sins. And I think this is where Satan gets us because we mentioned this last week. We get into this comparison mode of looking at everybody else and going, well, I'm not as bad as them. And so we downplay the severity of our sin because, you know, it is any sin. There's not a hierarchy of what sin is worse than another. We do that. We place that that 
list of good to bad, but God says they're all in the same line. We must confess our sins. Because you know what? When we fail to confess our sin, from, from, from just a visual standpoint, a sin is basically another step between ourselves and God. And the more sin that we do not confess, the further we walk away. Because Jesus said, God said, I'm the same yesterday, I'm the same today, and I'll be the same tomorrow. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He's not going anywhere, we are. We will run and hide, because we get that from our relatives. You know, Adam and Eve, they sinned. They knew what their sin was, and so they hid themselves. Confessing. And what I find interesting about the confessing is that Jesus came, as he always did, and he walked. The same place he always walked. And he said, where are you? Folks, I don't know about you, but... There isn't anything new under the sun for God to discover. He knows it all. He knows where you're hiding. He knows the sin that you are keeping. So the confession is not to tell God, hey God, there's this little thing I've been keeping from you. His response is going to be, yeah, I know. I'm just waiting for you to realize it. Confession is not for God. It is for us. It is for us to restore that relationship. It is for us to draw closer to him. We cannot cling to him if there is sin between us and him. So we must keep our walk clean by confessing our sin. And here is one of these let me meddle a bit points. And this is you need to be together Often. You need to attend church often. Now, this isn't a pastor thing. This is a God thing. In Hebrews 10, 25, Paul says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It is an essential component of a believer to be with other believers. Because we mentioned this earlier some months ago that we are the body of Christ. And the body has specific roles and purposes. Each complements the other. If you don't believe me, I don't have these references written down, so write them down in your notes. But 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the importance of every member of the body. Then Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about how the body promotes and how it supports the growth of all of the parts. We need the fellowship and the encouragement of other believers. We need that, to, to have that togetherness. And that was one of the difficult components of this, this pandemic is there was so much separation. There was so much isolation and we lost out on that fellowship. And the growth and the encouragement and the support that it provided. Unfortunately, there are too many that feel that 
church is an option. They feel that they would rather be in a stand or be on the lake or be somewhere else because they can fellowship there. And you might be able to fellowship with God there. It's fine. But what you will not get is the exhortation from other believers. What you will not get on that lake is to be fed from God's word. A Christian without a church is like a lone sheep in the wilderness. To be exposed to countless dangers, being all alone. Joshua must have had a sense of what could have happened to the nation of Israel if they were to step away from God and create relationships with those Canaanites. And I'm sure he had those flashbacks of what had happened earlier when they were in Egypt. So his words, I believe here, they should, they should echo loudly in our own minds, in our own ears. Perhaps we could look back in this past year, maybe we don't want to, but just for a moment, look back. Maybe we could find areas and times in our life where we have been unfaithful or we have been disobedient. Perhaps these words of Joshua are the words that we need to help us to understand how we can begin anew, a new year by obeying God's word and walking closely with him. Because if we do not find ourselves in his word, following him closely, we may find ourselves bowing at the feet of other gods. And if so, we may find ourselves in the bullseye of God's righteous indignation and his wrath. Other words of encouragement that we see here in Joshua's last words is to let God fight your battles. Let God fight your battles. Verses 9 and 10. It says, The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you, and no one is able to stand against you to this day. One of you routed a thousand because the Lord your God was fighting for you as he promised. Letting God fight our battles. There were a couple of times you probably recall David when he faced Goliath. Goliath probably looked at David and says, oh, what a little bug you are. But David had something up his sling. In 1 Samuel 17, he says, this isn't my battle. This isn't anybody else's battle. This battle is the Lord's. The very same thing we find for King Jehoshaphat. He followed his father's footsteps a little differently. His father's footprints took them away from following God. But Jehoshaphat came and he, he tried to bring the nation back to God. And there was a point in time when there were several nations that had come to confront them, to fight them. And Jehoshaphat went and prayed to God and said, listen, this is your nation. These are your people. And the prophet Jezreel, his response from God was, the battle is not yours, but God's. You see, we tend to think that our battles are what we can see. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against things that we can see, but it is against the spiritual forces of things we cannot see. 
I mean, it's like me swatting flies. If somebody doesn't know I'm flotting, I'm swatting flies and they look around, they see me doing this. They probably think I'm a little crazy. Of course, I've got one of those salt guns now, so I'll cock it and I'll start shooting. But we can't see what we're fighting. We would look quite foolish to try and fight the forces of darkness. And Paul reminds us because of those battles, because those battles are against spiritual forces, he tells us in Ephesians 6, put on the armor of God. And then he says, pray, pray. When we pray, we are taking our battles to God. We are letting him fight the battle for us. You remember, I know you're, you, I don't know, did you happen to have the bumper sticker that said, God is my co-pilot? Anybody ever have one of those? Yeah, I'm going to stay away from them because if God is in the cockpit, I'm giving him the steering wheel. I don't want to be in the cockpit because he's not the co-pilot. He's the author and finisher of life. He can have the wheel because he knows where to go. And we need to trust him. We need to trust him. We trust him when we see the evidences of faithfulness in our lives. Sometimes we have difficulty seeing where God is working in our lives. And so that's why it's so important to be together as believers in a church, because now we can look across the aisle, we can look across the table, and we can see, we can hear the stories of God's faithfulness in others' lives. And as those stories give us courage and faith, to trust him in our own lives. Then we began to see those moments where he is faithful in our own and our faith grows. And it makes it easier the next time to trust him and to take those battles and give them to him. The next bit of advice that Joshua gives is this love the Lord. Love the Lord. That's in verse 11. He says, so be very diligent to love the Lord God for your own well-being. For your own well-being. You remember the great commandment in Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. See, love is a choice. It is an intentional decision. It is a choice of devotion to love. Now, if we were to love God as we should, there might be a few less problems in our lives. Because you see, remember, loving God involves obedience and it involves loving others. If we would get those two things right, which are immense in our walk with Christ, so many other things would come into focus. And imagine being obedient to him, being faithful to him and loving others, the amount of peace that comes as a result. And in the midst of just the turmoil and the uncertainty of today, Peace is so needed and so welcomed. 
I remember the day I, I, I shared a little bit of a story with some with Sunday school class. And there was a point in day in my life when I was so wrapped up in my teams. Growing up in the South, I was a big LSU fan. I'm a big New Orleans Saints fan. And, and when they won, yes, but when they lost, my day was ruined. And depending on the nature of the loss, I might be in a funk for a day or two. Through time, I've been able to, to see God in so many different lights and to experience his joy and his peace. So while I may be sad at a loss, it doesn't ruin my day because my joy and my peace isn't settled or defined by that loss. It is defined by my Savior. Love the Lord. Last point here that Joshua brings to us is to trust God's promises. Trust God's promises. Verse 14 says, I am now going the way of all the earth, and you know with all your heart and all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. God always keeps his promises. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, know that Yahweh your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant, loyalty for a thousand generations and those who love him and keep his commands. Lamentations chapter 3 says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God had kept his promises to the people of Israel. And it is his consistency today being the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will keep his promises to you. We're starting a new year. Some of you may again have created or Pinky swear on a new resolution for the year, whatever it might be. Maybe you've invested in some resources to help you with these resolutions. But there's something about the start and the finish. There's a gentleman talking about getting married and, and how his fiance at the time, they, they would really talk about all the details of the wedding and the day of. I mean, they, they knew what they were getting into. They wanted everything to be perfect. But he says, a week later, I'm pouring this cup of coffee. I'm having to get up at 5 a.m. to commute back and forth to work. He says, all of those vows, all of those plans that we put together, that was for the one day. 
It's like the, the, the promise that we want to make for these new, res, new year's resolutions. We see the beginning and we see the end, but the in between it's the day to day. You get up every day and you have to recommit to the resolution. And that is with us in our relationship with God. We, we see where we start. We see the, the possibilities and the hope. And we look in years down the road and we go, I want to finish well. But then what do we do? The steps that we take. Sometimes they're hard steps. Sometimes you get up and says, I don't want to do this. That's too hard. I don't feel like it. I'm too mad. I've been there. I was on a mission trip. We were getting ready to go out and do door-to-door surveys and, 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 and witnessing. I got mad. And for the first two hours, I was still mad. And I'm like, why aren't we seeing anything? And I finally realized, you're mad. So I prayed, said, God, take this away. And he did. The very last door. We asked the questions. Everything looked great. We asked the lead in about her faith in Christ. After about an hour, she prayed to receive Christ. Sometimes we will not feel like it. Sometimes we feel that it, <laughs> there, was a, there was a phrase. Some people want to, to see a positive action before they feel motivated to do something. But I heard the research shows that motivation follows actions. Think about it. Find yourself doing something that you, you really don't want to do. I really don't want to do this. I, I, don't, I don't have the energy. I don't have the enthusiasm. I don't want to do it. And then when you start doing it, you go, okay, I got this. I can do this. I can guarantee you what. There is someone in around you that will give you as many excuses as possible to not get up. To not fight through. And then it will happen the next day. It will happen the next day. As we start this new year, may I encourage you, as Joshua has encouraged the nation of Israel, obey God's word, cling to him, let him fight your battles. Love him with all of your heart and trust him. Trust his promises. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 